You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, he drives down on the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Exactly. No one shows. Go right by them and field this back. YN has the linebacker taken out. That's inside. The YN has the linebacker in. He comes all the way around. You look at this play. What we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can do so by sending a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We got Emilio down here in Redneckville, USA, and uh, excited to talk a little Packers with you guys tonight. Tim, what's going on, buddy? What was your day like today? Man, fighting Mother Nature again. But we got some more other warmer weather up here in Green Bay. I, I couldn't believe it. We almost hit 60 today. I mean, like, what, what's it like down there by you guys? About the same, right, Emilio, in the 60s? Yeah, I had, uh, I think, low 70s at one point, but um, that was only for like five minutes, it felt like. <laughs> Unseasonably warm right now in Town. let me tell you. And, of course, it looks like in a few days all of that's going to change. We'll yeah. be back. We'll be back trending downward. But uh, no, man, all good. Trying to get uh, things together and uh, had a good day. How about you guys? How you doing? Oh, doing great, man. Just just in here chatting it up with Emilio before you mm-hmm. hopped in. Emilio, dude, what was your day like? You, uh, you, I was, you know, a lot of stacking stone. Then I had to run back, get more gravel, then throw more gravel, and it was just a lot of uh, physical labor today. So let's talk a little ball so that there I can fill out. You know. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go straight to the super chat. We got Josh Martin in here says, hire Dorsey and move Stinovich back to the O-line coach. Now, listen, I'm going to be 100% honest here, Josh. When I read that, I went, oh, yeah, what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> so I'm like, let's – I mean, they fired their OC in Buffalo, right? Like, how Why? Because their quarterback throws picks? Yeah, great point. Great point. It's actually what Emilio says. So, immediately, Josh, you know, being – me being the – analytical person I am, I'm like, let's go see what Buffalo has actually done. Bang. NFL teams points per play. They are fifth in the league in points per play. They are third in the league in yards per play. And they are eighth in the league in points per game. You guys know I put more stock in points per play than points per game. I got to be honest, Josh, I was like, how in the world do they have a, a legit top five offense? Their quarterback – their quarterback is a turnover machine. I think he leads the league in interceptions, right? If I remember correctly. I think so. Yeah. So he's a turnover machine, and they're still a top three, top five offense in points per play. Like I, I got to be real, man. I couldn't go. No, nah, that's stupid, Josh. Um, <laughs> because obviously Dorsey was doing something right. Tim, I'm just baffled that they fired the dude. Like, how do you have a legit top five offense and you fire your OC? That makes no sense to me, man. 
yeah, it doesn't either to me. I mean, what what are you now? What's the next move? What did they do? Did they promote someone within for interim? I'm imagining, yeah, imagine so. Okay, so we'll see how that pans out. But like, what what's the next move as far as a hire? We might not see anything till end of the year, you know, off season. Who knows? Um, you know, haste makes waste. I, I, you know, I don't follow the Bills like I follow our team, but on the surface, that that seems like kind of a quick reaction, right? You know, given the what's gone on the last couple of weeks with the Bills, but I think that's a bit of an overreaction. And uh, Josh Martin with the follow up takes the words right out of my mouth. That's McDermott. McDermott trying to save his job. Absolutely. That's that's the reaction I got. Kind of a panic move. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Emilio? McDermott's a defensive coach, right? Correct yeah. me. Yes, sir. Correct. He is. Yeah. So he's got to. He's, someone's got to take the fall, right? <laughs> um, it, it's it's got to be that way. You can't. You know, you can't kick the uh, the wide receivers coach off and be like, all right, that's going to solve the problem. Like, no. I honestly, Steph, they were probably upset that Stephon Diggs didn't get the ball enough and. Um, you know, it just, it just didn't go their way. And they lost to the, to the Broncos on a, and then on a technicality with, uh, too many men on the field. So really <clears throat> kind of like us, just a lot of things going wrong. They're what the bills are four and five or four and six now. So yeah, we're so, basically right there. I mean, you know, it could be just as bad. So, but to Josh's point there, I do love Steno at O-line, uh, but to take a demotion is tough. Um, once you've already been in that position for a while, upgraded and then, you know, brought back down in the same place. So um, as I would just say that is a tough proposition for Steno. Yeah. And, you know, like like you pointed out, Goose says, I just don't think Steno would would take the demotion. I'm like, listen, bro, you uh, you can't feed your ego and your family at the same time. Like you want to stay on the payroll, you take a demotion. I mean, let's be real. It, the, when you look at, OK, the offense declined last year. Right. There's now there's a, a number of different things that happened. You guys know I was breaking down the tape last year. I was looking at all the numbers from people that run this same scheme and you could see the numbers dip last year. Right. You could see the, the league is kind of caught up in Seattle. They evolved. They went to more of an empty spread look. Right. And they started to evolve. Uh, you've seen the Rams continue to do what they were doing. They were taking a step back just like the Packers were. You've seen the 49ers really start to evolve more. They continue to get creative out of 21 personnel, all that stuff. Um, but with all that being said, it's like, okay, why did the Packers take such a step back last year? I think Aaron Rodgers' thumb had a big, big deal to do with it. I think you lost the best, arguably the best receiver in the game, right? That's a big hit. The other uh, denominator right there, the other factor, I should say, was Steno took over as OC, right? So now this is his second year as the offensive coordinator. And I mean, he's not producing, right? And I'm not saying it's all on him. We get the youngest team in the league, but. It's it's a it's a fascinating uh, conversation for sure. But uh, again, uh, Josh, we appreciate the super chat, buddy. I thought that was a, a really cool uh, kind of conversation there, and it made me it triggered me to go, hey, let's go look at the numbers and see what's going on, right? So, right. Omer's in a rare form tonight. He said, "Did I mention in all caps? Fire them all, everybody, even the custodians. Get them out of the buildings." What he said. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, Cheesehead Murph in the house says, uh, go Pat, go Posse, let's go. Jordan is about to be great this weekend. Wick's going to have his second touchdown and uh, and pick six. Ah, optimism, smiling emoji. I hope you're right, my man. I hope you're right. And we're going to talk a little bit about Jordan Love. Actually, well, that's a pretty good segue. Let's hit this super chat, and then we'll jump right into what Dan Orlovsky had to say about Jordan Love. But uh, Togrel, thank you for the super chat. He said, at this point, 
if we just get seven wins, I would be happy. Tim, seven sounds good right now, don't it, big dog? <laughs> You're muted, brother. It almost it almost seems like the ceiling, right? Like, yeah, it does. You know, we were yeah. talking. You had always said six to ten. I was more closer to the ten wins or better. I was super optimistic, but uh, yeah, six, more, man. six or seven looks like the mark right now. Um, but uh, you know, hey, it's a lot of ball left. You never know. We'll 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 see what happens. But uh, you know, I'd be happy with improvement. You know. We, we need to make some eval going into the end of this year, as we've discussed numerous times. I mean, six wins, seven wins, you know, either way it equates to we're not in the playoffs and we're not playing for anything. So, I mean, you know, we can say what we want to say about this year. So let's try and be as positive as we can. But I'm, I'm with Tall Girl. I think, uh, you know, six or seven is probably going to be the mark this year. Yeah, I think so, too, for mm-hmm. sure. Goose with the chat here. He says, and again, Togrel, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Uh, Goose says, make no mistake, this is Matt LaFleur's offense, so it's hard to say what's on Steno or not, but you are right. They decline after what's his nuts left. <laughs> um, I guess he's referring to 12 there. So uh, it's just it's been a wild two years. Sometimes I like to go back and listen to podcasts from last year. Um, some of the podcasts I listen to, some of the podcasts we cut here, I hate hearing my voice. I know that, but it is funny to go back and just kind of say, what what were we saying right now this time last year? It's pretty cool. You guys should do that sometime mm-hmm. and uh, hold people's feet to the fire too. I, I definitely try to hold my, my own feet to the fire. That's for sure. But thinking um, about it, Steno didn't come from Matt LaFleur's scheme, you know, so he's, Steno's also kind of learning on the fly of Matt LaFleur's scheme throughout the offensive, you know, throughout the season, off season, all that. So he's trying to take his offensive line techniques to, um, you know, to Matt LaFleur's scheme while Matt LaFleur is still trying to run the offense and give a lot of offensive coordinator input would yeah. be my only other addition. That's the thing, too. Like, I think there's a lot of merit that goes into the passing game coordinator. I think th- – is Steno the passing game coordinator, too? Do we know that? I um, thought he was the run game, but I might be wrong. He may be, and it might be Jason Vrabel. That's oh, the coordinator. So anyway, the passing game coordinator, they it seems like they almost always get promoted next, right? That's you know, it was kind of odd that they promoted the offensive line coach, although Green Bay had one of the best offensive lines, right? And I think we all have found out the hard way, plus injuries, that Aaron was really manipulating defenses and, and keeping the pressure off of him and and helping make the run go, getting them in and out of the right looks. But uh, let's do this on the Pat McAfee show today. Um, they actually had uh, Dan Orlovsky and Ty. Uh, Ty Schmidt, which is a big Packer fan, he asked uh, Dan Orlovsky a question about Jordan Love. I apologize if there's language in here. So if you got kids in the room, just be careful. Um, I know some people like to listen to this while they're just hanging out at home. Um, make sure you, you you're prepared if your kids you know might hear a little bit of language. I didn't hear anything, but I you know anytime you get these these goons together on the McAfee show, you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth. That's why you love them. So uh, here we go. Here is uh, Ty Schmidt on the Pat McAfee show asking Dan Orlovsky about Jordan Love. Dan, um, what is your opinion on Jordan Love in terms of whether or not he is the guy moving forward? Early on in the season, he looked you know, pretty damn good, but then it seems like he's kind of just got worse every week. He's not protecting the ball at all. I don't know if that's more a product of play calling or that's him, but then it's harder too when yeah. you look in the same division and a guy like Josh Dobbs, who has been a career journeyman, just gets in there and kind of picks things up right away, is playing well and and has been winning. So I don't know. Is it more on Jordan Love 
or is it more on kind of Lafleur not putting him in positions to be successful? Because with KOC and Dobbs, it looks like you know, I mean, the sky is falling when Kirk gets hurt, but then all of a sudden he comes in, and we're talking about them going to the playoffs still. Yeah, I think what Dobbs and Kevin O'Connell done in Minnesota is unbelievable, O'Connell. I think Josh's ability to time his feet in that offense is big. So Jordan Love, um, Ty, like <clears throat> there are moments when he makes great throws. The the ball down to Musgrave, middle of the field, obviously the late one on the deep crosser. There's moments when he makes great throws. Um, there's not enough good throws. And the good throws are sometimes like the layups that are just part of that offense, the layups that you know Matt LaFleur calls into. The, the game plan or into the game and they're there. And sometimes they lean, they become completions, but instead of it being a four, like a, excuse me, like a 12 or 15 yard gain, it's like a five or six yard gain because the, the ball placement forces the guy to adjust his body to make a catch or it's a more difficult catch. And you sit there and go, it's a completion, but it's not a good throw. And so there are moments of great throws. And hear me out when I say this. I think, one, the pass pro struggles have thrown the timing off of their pass game. And so now it feels like they're with Jordan, it's get the ball out now or like move around in the pocket and try to create something. And, and that's a bad place to be for a guy who's playing for the first time. It reminds me a little bit like I'm not making this lateral comparison. It reminds me a little bit like um, Lamar's first year starting as a passer where some of like the really easy throws he didn't make um, in the way that you want them to. Like, hey, man, it's, it's, a, it's a spot route, and if you just throw the ball on the chest of the guy and the inside shoulder, he's going to get eight yards. But you throw it low and away, and he gets three. And I think that's where Jordan's got to grow a lot in the next six weeks is make those, like, those, those completions that are there, like make, still make really good throws. I did not expect you to say six weeks there. I, I thought you were going to say like the next year, off season, everything like that, because you heard the same thing we heard about Goody saying maybe he's not the guy for the future, yeah. but really it's his first year playing. So is I mean, we're going to have a full conversation about Jordan Love getting dropped into a nightmare situation yep. behind the scenes, yeah. being forced to go in behind a guy who's a four-time NFL MVP, Mount Rushmore quarterback of all time, with him getting forced out for you. And then if you have one year, do we even know what LaFleur – I mean – that's going to be tough. All right, so there you go. Um, I think they all made great points. Um, you know, he, here's the thing. Orlovsky, a few weeks ago, if you guys will remember, he was defending Jordan Love to no end. I mean, he was he was saying, oh, I don't like the stick. The, I don't like the stick concept on the auto. All they do is run sticks. All they do is this. And he's like, he's defending Jordan. Now you see he's starting to tone it back a little bit. And he's pointing out how these throws, and we've talked about it on Chalk Talk. You'll see it again tomorrow. Right when I do chalk talk tomorrow, um, the throws, even the ones he completes in some cases, he's not setting his receivers up to be able to gain the maximum amount of yards. Right? Um, sometimes the balls come out late. Sometimes it's off the mark. All those things. So I thought that would trigger kind of a cool little conversation here about Jordan Love and where we're at right now. I got some stats we can pull up, but right on the surface, Tim, what did you think about what Danny O said about Jordan Love up to this point? I love what he said about the timing. Offensive line play affects timing, and that could explain a lot of these issues. And, you know, he hit it on the head, too. You know, sometimes the ball needs to be here, and instead it's here, you know. And right. so we're talking about, you know, a degree of variance that's very small that can be corrected 
um, as we go on. And I love Orlovsky for saying these these next games, you know, these next six, seven weeks here, um, what we're going to see, because it's not over till it's over, you know. And um, I don't think anyone can unequivocally say that Jordan is or is not the dude. Yeah, I think we're still at this point where I hate to say it, but let's let's let him finish this year out. But, you know, I agree with his points. You know, there's moments when he makes great throws, but he's missing the good throws. Right. You know, like so he has that that uh, Mamba mentality I spoke of, that big play ability, you know, standing in there under pressure, making the throw. We saw that to Jaden Reed um, on Sunday. Yep. But then it's like we get a six yard out and he, he throws it at his shoelaces, you know, and it's there, there's these things that need to be corrected. And uh, I think Orlowski was spot on. I just, you know, I believe in Jordan. I I believed in him for years now. Um, but, you know, it's crunch time. We got a handful of games left here. And uh, this is this is definitely the time that we're going to see uh, what he's really and truly made of. And, um, you know, not to tease my uh, segment later, but uh Bill Huber touched on this uh, earlier today, and we'll talk about his article um, in relation to this team just not being able to get to that next level. And, uh, you know, we can say that about our quarterback right now, too. Great throws, but not making the simple good throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And since you brought up Bill Huber, let's hit this once real quick. Then we're going to turn it over to Emilio. You guys will recognize this video. At the very end, when the camera pans to Ted Thompson, you're going to see somebody do this in the background. And it's Bill Huber way back in the day. Check it out. Rodgers, who the only place he's going to take you to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Farr, who will take you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I hear you. I'm just saying, we're not going to talk about it. You see him creeping in the background. I love it. Uh, Emilio, what do you think about what Danny O said? Uh, I mean, it's true. I, it's, he's not making them the passes. It's they're. I mean, they're there, but some of them are completed. Some of them aren't. They're outside the box, you know, outside the window of the receiver, and all that stuff is. It's timing. Yes, um, you know, I. I guess I would say that he's still going through the year of you know getting live game reps, like we were talking about. Game reps are a lot different than practice reps, um, but some of those simple ones, man, they they gotta they have to hit home or there has to be an improvement on it. We've said that we've seen improvements. He dropped a couple in the bucket, you know, this year or this game. But, um, you know, those easy ones are what keep the drive going. You know, that, that's how we get ahead in the sticks. That's how we stop falling behind in the sticks. And then, you know, then it turns into a penalty or you hold it longer because um, you were trying to, you know, um, you know, extend it. But it is tough. And with the line the way it is, it's not, you know, um, I mean, they're definitely, you know, a good old line, but it's not like having David Bakhtiari protecting his blind side still. So, yeah, um, very good point. <clears throat> and of course, he was tw- 21 of 40, 289, two touchdowns, two picks in the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you, you hit the nail on the head there, Emilio. There's some throws you're like, wow. And there's other throws you're like, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, and it's it seems like it's on the same drive, too. That throw to Jaden Reed on that deep crosser, bro. That was unbelievable. Like, that was – I'm going to say it. That one throw – and listen, it's just one throw. That one throw is top-shelf quarterback throw right there, which amazes me because it's like, how do you hammer that? But then you throw the out route where you had the whole sideline to work with to Devontae, uh, to Dontavian Wicks, and you literally – you threw it three feet over his head to where he barely got a hand on. It's like, why, how, where is the consistency? And it, and it, 
it stresses me because it's like if you haven't created the consistency in your accuracy yet, that has nothing to do with playing on Sunday, right? Um, then when are you going to be able to fix it, right? Togra with the Super Chat says, I'm just afraid if we get less than seven wins, Murphy might just fire Matt and we move on from love. Anything but rebuild with such promising rookies. I mean, that's the thing. The, these rookies will obviously stay if they do decide to go in a different direction. Love will be back next year. There's no two ways about that, guys. He's going to be back. The question is, are we going to draft a quarterback and try to develop him for a year and just use Love as a bridge to the next quarterback? I think that's all going to come down to who's available when we pick, right? And I think right now, if I understood correctly, we're picking sixth, I believe, is the, the last thing I heard. So um, with that being said, man, to see how the, the year plays out. And, again, we felt like he played better on Sunday. Right. We've all kind of talked about that. And Togro, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate it. Um, yes, he played he played his best game against the Rams, right? We all know that. And then against the Steelers, a much better Steelers team, played pretty good, right? I think really out like a 77. When you watch the tape, the inconsistencies are there. There's no doubt about it. The two picks are the thing that's really alarming too. And I and I know the one you can kind of wash off, but that other one, or, you know, in the fourth quarter when you still had a shot to win the game and just forced mm-hmm. it there on second down. It's inexcusable. It is. There's only so many times, so many points that we can make excuses for someone. And I want him to pan out. I want him to work. But let's look at his interceptions, okay? This is the NFL's leading interception throwers. Josh Allen with 11. Then it's Mac Jones and Jordan Love with 10. He is second in the league with the most interceptions, guys. That I'm sorry. that That's inexcusable. You can't. Now, listen, it's his first year. I got it. If, if, if he improves that by the end of the year, maybe next year he kind of steps into a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. This is his fourth year in the league. And immediately people will say, well, look at the targets he's throwing at. Look at the players around him. I got you on all that. But some of those throws, man, some of those interceptions, I'm sorry, I break down that throw on Chalk Talk, that first interception of the fourth quarter. Guys, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's a bad decision, and it's bad placement on the ball. And you heard LaFleur talk about that in the nicest way he possibly could is like he heard himself saying it and tried to back off of it a bit. So if you look at the interception percentage, right, Jordan Love is 34th in the league, minimum of 50 pass attempts, okay? He throws an interception 3.3% of the time. That's 34th in the league, guys. That means there are two other quarterbacks who are not starters that has a better interception percentage than Jordan Love does. That you just, you can't, you can't have that, guys. You can't have it. Um, And then, okay, let's look at the accuracy real quick. When you talk about on-target percentage, which that means what percentage do you hit the receiver accurately or hit them in stride, okay? And they take into consideration even passes defended from what I understand. So it's like, okay, no, that was a good pass. They just defended it. And that stat alone, Jordan Love comes in 30th at 71.5%. So there's only two other starting quarterbacks that are worse than him at that on-target percentage. Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Stroud. Now, some people are going, well, C.J. Stroud, he's going to be rookie of the year. He will. Look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio. So what's that tell you? He has inaccuracies as a rookie, but he's making smart decisions. He's not forcing the ball, right? So I don't know. I, I, that just kind of triggered those stats to me. Um, what do you think about those numbers, Tim, and, and anything that I can pull back up so you can see? Just let me know. I think a lot of this could be uh, an indicator on where Jordan's at right now. You know, he was a backup for a couple of years. And when you're a backup, you got to, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And if you get called into a game, you're in this mode where you want to make plays and you want to make them right away, as we saw him do in Philadelphia last year. 
um, and uh, played pretty good for, you know, his first start in Kansas City in a loss to the Chiefs on the road. Um, now he's shifted from this mentality of, you know, stay ready so I don't have to get ready to I have to be ready all the time. I'm the dude week in, week out. I'm a starter now, you know, and man, I don't know. You, you'd you like to think that we'd have seen him shore this up and tighten up a little bit this far into the season. But part of me, guys, you know, we've had a quarterback here before who threw a lot of picks, but also did a lot of beautiful things. And um, there's part of me that is taking the good with the bad and wondering if maybe this irons out over time and we shouldn't focus on this too much. I think maybe we have a, a young quarterback here that is a playmaker and wants to make plays. And maybe we need to, you know, hone them in a little bit and have them not heaving it up there into double coverage so much uh, as much as we can. And that comes down to coaching too. Um, but I think Jordan's out there just trying to ball, man. And I feel like he's, you know, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders right now and he's trying to respond. And, you know, sometimes we get adverse effects to that when you're trying to, you know, hit the home run every time, you know, and um, I think a lot of those numbers can be attributed to that especially with our struggles uh, early on this year running the ball. I feel like Jordan maybe have had a little bit of pressure to, you know, throw it more, and that's why he's taking those chances. But I would agree, Clayton, some of those reads are just terrible, and there's no excuse for it. Um, the only excuse I can think of is what I just said, is he's trying to just, you know, home run that ball in there and and make a play. Yeah, and, you know, immediately as I say that, as you say that I'm listening to that and, and everything I just said about his accuracies, interceptions, everything – we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm... I keep coming back to that that deep crosser, and I'm like, Tim, it was a hell of a throw, bro. Like it's it's, I feel like I'm I don't I don't know I don't know how I feel. One second I'm like, this is the dude, and the next second I'm going, hell, he thinking? What are we I'll, doing? <laughs> I'll see you the deep crosser to read and and raise you the back pylon floater for the toe tapper to Romeo Dobbs. Oh, that, that was a brilliant throw too. Beautiful. On time. Yeah. There was a couple over the middle that were brilliant and on time and laser beams too. So there's those flashes we talk about guys. So, you know, anybody giving up on Jordan love, 
I'm not with you. And anyone unequivocally saying he's the dude, I'm not necessarily with you either. Like I said, we're kind of, we're kind of at this crux right now. We're going to see how this season ends, but it's undebatable, man. The guy has shown improvement in the last uh, three to four games and um, you know, hopefully it continues. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Emilio? Well, and to add to that, I, I want that kind of guy in my locker room. Um, yes. You know, the way he carries himself, the way he handles, you know, the way he handles the media. I mean, he's, uh, he's um, you know, a knowledgeable guy. I, I think it's some of those quick split second, you know, half a millisecond decisions that he's just getting hung up on, you know, or he's deciding half a second too late to throw that ball. He's, um, you know. He's t- taken half a step too short as he's following through, something like that, you know. And and I do think um, or hope that Tom, uh, you know, Clements, uh, like uh, Tim was saying, irons out some of those um, some of those bumps just to try to smooth it out. But I, I feel like if he wasn't making progress, they would be saying, um, you know, a little bit more, or uh, you know, maybe Matt would try to um, you know edge him a little bit more or something in in the discussions, but. Um, I, I do think he's got, he has, you know, the talent for it. It's just not, you know, um, coming all together in a plan uh, for like the consistency, um, you know, and the efficiency and things like that. He's just uh, missing on some of those. I, yeah. I agree with that, Emilio, because you know what, with a quarterback, a younger quarterback like this first year starter, if it, if he was that much of a liability and they didn't have faith in him, I fully see them just taking the ball out of his hands and we would commit to running the football more we would commit to the toss, strong toss, right, you know, screen game, those kind of things. Just don't let them throw the ball down the field. And, you know, to Jordan's credit, we haven't seen that. You know, we're right. taking shots. We're LeFleur is running this offense. So there's no hesitation when it comes to the play calls. So I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. 40 yeah. attempts would show that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you get that right. Josh Martin with the Super Chat. Thank you, buddy. He says, you would think after three years sitting, half a season starting, it should have clicked already with him. It just hasn't, and I'm skeptical it ever will. I think that's a healthy skepticism, man. I think you like, like Tim said, the people that say, you know, um, we don't quite know what we have yet. I know it's a boring stance, but it's the fact. And again, it's it's something that we can look forward to this last half of the season, right? The second half of the season is we get to see this all unfold in real time, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the fans back in the day with Favre got to see it unfold and all the growing pains, although. It's hard for me. Again, I, I keep going back and forth, but I immediately go, Favre had Sharp, right? Like Favre had Sterling Sharp. Aaron had Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, and Jordy Nelson. Who does who does Jordan have, right? And and again, I'm one of those people that like I think the hate on Christian Watson is unwarranted, right? I think he's still playing with a sore hammy. That's trying to get healthy. I'm not one to just go, all right, let's just start throwing everybody under the bus other than the quarterback. And the people who do that, like, I'm sorry, man. You, you're you're looking like an idiot. Everyone who thinks, okay, it's the O-line's fault. No, it's Matt LaFleur's fault. No, it's the OC's fault. No, it's Christian Watson's fault. No, it's Dontavian. How can it be everybody else, but there's absolutely no chance it can be this guy, right? I don't think that's a healthy stance either. If, if everywhere you go, you smell dog crap, you might right. want to check your boot. You know what I mean? And I think that the honest answer is everybody's got plenty of blame to shoulder, and we just got to get through the second half of the season and see exactly what we got. At the end of this season, Michael Lombardi said this when they asked him, how long did it take? I think it was Ty Schmidt that asked him on the McAfee show. How long does it take to understand, to determine, to decide, hey, this is our guy or it isn't? And he said a, a full season plus September. 
So he basically said 20 months, 20, I'm sorry, 20 games is what he said. So essentially saying 20 games. So Jordan played one game last year. This year he will have played 17 games, right? So that's 18 under his belt. We should know going in. And I think he said uh, a full year in plus September because you get the full off season. Okay, here's what you learn from your first year starting. Let's give him a month if he's still struggling. Okay, this probably isn't the guy type thing. So we may be in it for uh, an extended period next year too, and that's okay. But I do know this. If you have a stud quarterback fall to you in the draft, wherever you're picking, whether it's sixth or third or whatever, or you you fall absolutely in love with one like a C.J. Stroud or someone like that, then you know what? You trade up, you go get them, especially if you've got a much a much better grade than you had on Jordan Love. And that's what these these GMs comp everything to, guys, is, is the draft grade they had on those players when they came out, right? When they go sign a Rasul Douglas, I guarantee you, the first thing that Goody did was what draft grade did we have on him? Okay, cool. What has he done in the league? All right, got it. Okay, yeah, he's worth picking up off the scrap heap. We had a third round, say we had a third round grade on him, right? Well, he got drafted in the third. We didn't get a chance to take him. Now he's on the scrap heap. Let's go, let's go sign him and give him a shot. Bang, now you flip him for a third, right? Or you flip him for giving a fifth and him for a third. Um, I don't like the flipping aspect. I wish we would have kept him. You know, he's arguably our best corner, best, you know, player in the secondary, but that's just kind of how their mind operates as far as where was their draft grade? Now what have they done production-wise in the NFL, that type of thing? Um, let's see here. Thank you for the so, uh, super chat again there, buddy. We appreciate it, Josh. He's right back with another one. C.J. Stroud, an MVP candidate with lesser weapons. <sighs> it's, uh, it's a good point, I think, right? Who, who, is, who is his receivers down there? Can you think of one in Houston? Because I can't. Mm-mm. What receivers does he have, Tim? Maybe people hit us up in the chat. Let us know who his who his receivers are because I can't I can't think of one wide receiver. And that's not a good not a good sign, right? You immediately want to say D Hop, but he ain't there no more, right? So, um, yeah, man, that that may really yeah. I don't up. I don't watch a lot of Houston Texan football, so I'm not Let's not well versed in their All roster. Right. I'm seeing uh, Tank- Nico Collins, Robert Woods, uh, Jesse Matthews, Tank, Tank- Dell, Josh John Mechie. Uh, Noah Brown's Aver Hutchinson. So, yeah, not, so not a lot there other than Tank. What, right? Tank's a young player too. Yeah. Or what? What was that again? What was the third name you said there? Um, Jesse Matthews. No, he's on IR. So it'd be Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank. Robert Bell. Woods. That's the only other name I recognize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty comparable, don't you think, to the Packers receiving core? I know we're much younger, but I don't know. Robert Woods would probably be the number one receiver on this team, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. Right now, yeah, right maybe, now, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tim said, "Right now, yeah. my uncle, my uncle Bill could play X." You kidding me? <laughs> you don't want him out there, man. Just- hey, I got one for you, Clayton. We What's talk up? about how Aaron Rodgers' uh, feathers got ruffled when we drafted Jordan Love, right? Yeah. Well, what is what does taking a quarterback in the twenty twenty four draft say to Jordan Love if he's still on this team? Forget what it says to Jordan Love. Because I thought he would, he would that would make him step up, right? Like if there's any oh, doubt, yeah. you, you draft the quarterback. If there's any doubt going into the next year, let's go to camp and see these two battle it out, and let's really see what what's in the tank for Jordan Love. Like, does that light a fire under him, or 
you know, or is that the end? I guess that's kind of where I was going. At yeah, you're going to get the best version of it. That's a great point. I wasn't even going. I was going in the direction of what it says to the fan base is Goody going, ah, I screwed this up, guys. Sorry. But you you make a great point there, Tim. That's uh, I think you would see the better, best version of them. Don't you think so, Emilio? Yeah, I think I think I think you would. Um, but uh, but it shouldn't take that, right? It shouldn't take no. drafting a quarterback to see the best, though. No, yeah. no, but but the thing is, is I I think Love has the drive for it. So it's not that I, I don't think that it's we're not seeing him try to produce it. I think that it's just not um you know getting produced. Like maybe we we forgot an ingredient in the cake and it comes out flat. That's kind of where we're at right now. Um, you know, we're missing some ingredients. And like I said before, we got a four banger. We are we need we need something else. We need to upgrade the thing. All right. We, we need to uh, we need to change the oil on it or something. We, we need to get this thing humming a little better. Something needs to happen. Well, what I did today, I tried to craft and I thought about this for a few minutes this morning. I tried to craft a Twitter poll where we could get an honest answer out of people. I didn't want any cop outs. Right. So. You know, the three talking points this year when you talk about getting rid of people, it's either Jordan Love isn't the guy, it's time to move on. It's, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur isn't the guy, we need a new coaching staff, we need to can the coaching staff, right? Or it's Brian Gutekunst is the reason that this roster sucks, right? So here's the Twitter poll I put out. I said, poll question, if you had to choose only one for the future of the Green Bay Packers, meaning you've got to keep only one of these, you have to. There's no, I don't want any of them. There's no, okay, I'll just cut this guy. You have to pick one of these three moving forward with the future of the Green Bay Packers. Which one is staying? All right. Jordan Love, first place by far, 65.6%. And understand, let me drop this chat down here real quick. How much? Uh, Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Boy, you tell me they ain't a god. Woo! (laughs) That's right. 65%. 65%. I failed you guys. Thank you so much, Tim. 65, people are going to think Clayton photoshopped this. No yeah, way. Right. <laughs> 65.6% Jordan Love, 19.9% Matt LaFleur, 14.5% Brian Gutekunst. I got to be honest, guys. What it told me is the Goody lovers, the people that will never criticize Brian Gutekunst, are in the vast minority. This was 1,464 votes. Understand there's even more votes, and I, I screenshotted this several hours ago. That means that the Brian Gutekunst lovers, the ones who you are not allowed to say anything negative about Brian, Brian Gutekunst, they are in the extreme minority amongst Packer fans because I've got people who loved Aaron Rodgers that follow me and I follow them, people who hated Aaron Rodgers that follow me and I follow them. Like This is a pretty good variety of Twitter, of Packer fans on Twitter that, that we follow each other. This, this kind of blew me away that it was such a runaway. But it seems like everyone is saying, "Hey, you know what? I, Jordan Love is in way in a way better place, a way safer seat as far as the hot seat goes than both Matt Lafleur and Brian Gutekunst." But Brian Gutekunst seems like they're done with him. Um, that really surprised me, Tim. What do you think about that poll, man? Anything uh, does that surprise you at all? Because it it really took me off guard. I thought it would be something like, you know, maybe fifty percent for the winner. And twenty and twenty, you know, twenty five, twenty five for the for the other two. That really blew me away that it was that much of a runaway. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. That's that's kind of what my thoughts were. I I fully expected that poll when you posted it uh, this morning that mm. it would kind of kind of skew towards Jordan Love, then Lafleur, then Goody. But mm-hmm. I didn't think these percentages would be uh, quite what we're seeing right now. Um, but still, I I think it's uh, I don't know. I'm with it, man. You know, like. 
if you if you really held a gun to my head right now, man, you know, I'm keeping Jay money. I'm keeping Matt LaFleur. I mean, I, I'm going to look to our GM. Like you had always said, man, you know, you can ask for a steak dinner, but if you bring me, you know, potatoes and chips and chocolate bars, I can't really make you a steak dinner. Yeah. You know, we have to look at who we're, who we're bringing in. And that's not to say that Goody has swung and missed on everything because he's knocked it out of the park on a few draft picks too in his tenure. And that can't, you know, we can't overlook that. Um, but realistically, man, I, I kind of saw it breaking down this way. The percentages just threw me off. <laughs> it really me, did. Before we move to Emilio, which way did you vote, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I voted for Jay Money, for sure. Did you? See, yeah. that's me too. And this is this is how I came to that realization. I'm going, okay, you guys know, I don't think Brian Gutekunst has done a great job. Like, we're, we're seeing now his work without, George, without Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, that's the way I look at it. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, Matt LaFleur, it's like, okay, what has he done without Aaron Rodgers? So you've got two big question marks, right? I think Matt LaFleur is now, what's his record now? Is it four, what would it be, four and seven? No, three and, I think three and seven without Aaron Rodgers, if I remember correctly. So how many games have we lost this year? Six? Okay. Yeah, so we had the one in Kansas City. So he's three and seven without Aaron Rodgers. But those two question marks, what I, I was like, you know what? Got love for one more year under contract. Let's see what he's got. I would probably choose him over the others because the others are just huge question marks. But what, what do you think, Emilio? What would you vote? Uh, what did you vote? Did you vote multiple times? Did you have mail-in ballots? Did, did you yeah. have dead relatives vote? Talk to me. I sent it to everyone just so that we could get uh, get it up to sixty-five there for the for the clip. But uh, <laughs> no, um, no. But I, I did. Uh, I picked love, but I kind of looked at it a little different way. Um, in the fact of if you're picking uh, your best employee or an employee uh, and that's your best producer, that employee is going to keep producing for you as long as that is, you know, your, your best employee, which then in turn saves the manager, which then in turn saves the boss who's pushing out all the paychecks. So um, if you were to land on Jordan Love being the dude and picking him to ride into the sunset, um, he would probably uh, you know, be hitched to the wagon of Matt and Goot, and they would all kind of head down the, the old trail. Um, but uh, I I think love is, you know, where we need to be right now. And it's kind of like just uh, we're opening up a present. We're just kind of just peeling the gift wrap off really slowly. And we're not going to know until like January-ish uh, what the present actually is. Yeah, definitely. Josh Martin says, Clayton, when does the early vote and get counted? LOL. I'm going to tell you something, Josh Martin. This This Twitter poll – was the safest, most secure Twitter in U.S. history. That's all I'll say, all right? All right, Dead Fish here with the chat, too. Dead Fish says, the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers because he was by far the highest player on their draft board. Favre might not have been happy about it, but it was good for the Packers. Take a quarterback if he's there. Amen, amen, amen. And maybe it – listen, if you had such a high grade on Jordan Love that – let's let's assume, let's just pretend here, humor me, that the Packers had – the highest grade on Jordan Love. He was the very top of their draft board in that draft, right? Let's say that you get another player that's in that same ballpark, right? Draft him. You know, let's say he was in tier three, but quarterback's so important he jumps to tier two because we talk about the two different drafts that happen every April. Let's say that's the case and you have a quarterback in that same tier. You take another swing on that quarterback. It's that important of a position. What if what if Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the board? Oh, Tim, don't you do this to me. No, I'm serious. Like, what do you, you know, everything we said about the receiver core, 
you know, we've got some pieces we can build around for sure. But there's a couple question marks in that wide receiver room. Yeah. Do you do you take a generational talent at wide receiver over quarterback in that situation? Let me ask you this, and I'm going to ask you this question, Tim. So if Bill Walsh was alive and it was your decision with that draft pick, right, and you had the opportunity to ask him, Coach Walsh, one of the greatest of all time, right, what would what should I do here? What do you think his answer would be? Quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always run stuff through that filter. And and the reason being, he he actually said, and it's in all the books that are written about him, the books that he co co-wrote or whatever you want to call. Um, he he actually said wide receiver is the very last piece you put in place. Uh Michael Lombardi talked about how Bill Walsh said when they drafted Jerry Rice, he's like, you know what? We've got this in place. We got Charles Haley at edge. We got all these. All right, now's the time. Let's go get us a receiver. And they drafted Jerry Rice. So it's not a popular opinion, but when you said Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm immediately going, boy, that receiving room looks good. It's tempting. It's right. tempting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, Emilio? Any comments on that, what Deb Fish said there before we move on? Uh, I think the fan base would freak out if we take another tier two quarterback and not a tier one to make it all, to make all our problems go away um, and, and fix everything, you know, instantly. So uh, really, I, I would be cool with taking Marvin Harrison. You know, we want to see the splash play. That would also make the fan base hype uh, if, if we did that. But, um, again, that's why fans don't run the team. And, you know, they're building a team. They're not just trying to put, you know, one athletic freak on the field, uh, you know, to run around and do everything for the team. Yeah, good point. Josh Martin said, take Harrison, draft Arch Manning in 26. Easy saw. All right, now we're, now we're moving on to 2026. <laughs> Pretty soon I'm going to be 83 years old going, next year, guys, that's the year we get this thing fixed. Next that. time it's in Lambo. Yeah, exactly. Um, Goose in the chat says, the most important person in your organization is the quarterback. The second most important person is your backup quarterback. It's a great point. And, and people hear that and go, whatever. Let me ask you this. If you could draft Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in the same draft, you're doing it. I know I am. Sign me up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just can you find those players, man? C.J. Stroud's looking good. He's been fun to watch for sure. And what a leader. He just, man, he's he's awesome. Love that he's a Christian. He's outspoken about it too, whether that's your belief or not. Hey, we can agree to disagree, but it's just everything about C.J. Stroud, I just I, I have fallen in love with. It's pretty Hey, cool. like you said, look what he's doing with the talent that's out there with him too, you know. Yeah, we just went over that receiving core, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, let's do this, Tim. You you actually uncovered an article, right, that we were talking about by Bill Huber, um, who, uh, like I said, he was uh, an extra in that that video we just showed <laughs> with uh, Mr. Turlebo, uh explaining to Ted Thompson how to be a GM. But um, what's this article you were talking about? I'm pretty sure it was over on SI and by Bill Huber. Is that right? Yeah, Packers Central via SI. Um, you ready for this uh, byline here? No time for excuses. Time for Packers to start winning. So that that caught my uh, my eye right away. Um, you know, and he says, has there been progress? Sure, but not enough to change a familiar formula of playing just well enough to hang around, but not well enough to win. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, pick and choose a couple quotes here. Yeah, you guys can read this, SI.com. Uh, Check out um, Bill Huber's article here. This came out today. Um, Green Bay Packers head coach uh, Matt LaFleur's second sentence of his post-game news conference on Sunday in Pittsburgh said it all. Quote, there are no moral victories in this league. 
He's right. So why should we pretend otherwise? Packers dropped to three and six after a 23-19 loss to the Steelers. Yes, they kept it close against a team that at this point in the season is playoff bound. Bill Huber goes on to say, so what? <laughs> this isn't horseshoes and hand grenades. It's professional football. The point of the whole endeavor is to win games. This is title town after all. Love threw for a career high 289 yards against the Steelers. That's progress. Tight end Luke Musgrave had two catches for a career high 64 yards. That's progress. Jaden Reed set career highs with five receptions for 84 yards. That's progress. Dontavian Wicks caught three passes for a career high 51 yards. That's progress. The Packers have failed to surpass 20 points for seven consecutive games. That's the second longest streak in the NFL behind the Giants, who started an undrafted rookie quarterback on Sunday against the Cowboys. The Packers haven't had a longer 20 and under streak since 1988 when second-year player Don Makowski and Randy Wright were splitting the quarterbacking duties. (laughs) Packers finished the day with a season-high 399 yards. They were a combined 10 of 18 on third and fourth down. They scored their first quarter... Their first first quarter touchdown since week one. They scored a season-high 13 points in the first half. They had a season-high eight plays of 20-plus yards. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Packers got in the red zone four times in the second half and failed to score a single touchdown. And when it was time to win the game, Love threw an interception. Okay, guys, this goes on and on and on from here. All right? So the gist of the article, you know, I agree with the sentiment. We talk about progress, right? And our coach said it. There's no such thing as a moral victory. We have got to start winning these close games. It's mm-hmm. one thing to be in the mix. Clayton, you've you've said this multiple times. We're always hanging around in these games. We're in the mix. That's great. Finish the game and get the dub, you know? Bill Huber, SI.com, Packer Central. Check out his article. Yeah. Uh, speaking for my inner soul, um, <laughs> you know, there's there's plenty more where that came from, guys. I just wanted to give you a little tidbit and make sure we uh, give Bill credit on the article. So check it out for sure. Definitely. And I actually just posted it in the chat here, guys. You got a direct link to the article. Go check it out. Go give him a click. Heck, hit him up on Twitter. It's okay to be nice to people on Twitter. I know it's not a popular thing to do, but go on there and say, hey, man, great article. We covered it on PTA tonight. Great job. Um, but with that being said, uh, Amelia, what do you think, dude? Uh, what sticks out to you about that article? You agree with it? You think he's being too hard? What's up, man? I mean, and they're grown men, right? It's a professional sport. At some point, it's got to come full circle. Um, they are the ones that are going on the field every Sunday. They have to make it happen. We talk about it. Tim talks about it. You talk about it, Clayton. Coaches can do everything. Managers can do anything they can to get it to the place. But what happens between, you know, the painted lines in those 60 minutes is where you get your win and loss. Um, and without that, where is this team? You know, I guess you, you're either winning or you're learning. And we're doing a lot of learning this year. Uh, so, um, Or are we? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the it. Part, right? That's it. Yeah, they use that as a saying, but um, are we actually picking anything up and taking it taking it home and storing it in the bank? That's where we need to be. Um, but yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, it is tough for sure. Goose in the chat say, Clayton, why does Jerry Montgomery still have a job and why does he not get any heat? You know, that's the thing, too, that I've kind of come to, Goose, and not specifically Jerry Montgomery. Of course, it, it still applies, but when you look at people missing tackles, right, 
you got to look to the position coaches. Like people pretend as if Joe Barry's out there teaching on tackling for him. That's not what the DC does. You now listen. You would think, okay, well the DC put the staff together. Actually, he didn't. Matt Lafleur did, right? So like, I know it sounds like every every episode I'm letting Joe Barry off the hook, but these this is the chain of command. This is how things. Unless you guys know something I don't know, and, and it could be the case. If so, hit me with a link and say, now nah, look, Joe Barry actually put this this uh, staff together. This was all Matt LaFleur putting the staff together. So, um, yeah, I think it's a valid point. And I'm not one to say go fire all these guys, but when you look at how the defensive line has played the run, right, how they've missed tackles, how they hey, haven't kept their gap integrity, all those things, um, you've got to look to the position coach as much as you do the players. You all right? It's who it's it's who's teaching those fundamentals. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, a pretty good point, Goose, you know, again – I don't follow the defensive line clo- as close as I do, you know, like other positions and, and other aspects of, the, of breaking down the tape. But I will tell you this, I'm going to have Mike Wall on tomorrow afternoon. We're going to get together and have a little chat. And I can't wait to ask him, Mike, it's been a few weeks now. Have you seen improvement? What's changed? Offense, defense, all the way across the board. And I'm tell you this, it's going to get good because on video you'll see him go, you know, Clayton, he's going to move that mic. And that's when he moves that mic, when he grabs that mic, grab your notepad, bro. There's about to be something right now. I love watching that dude. Uh, just just hearing him talk about football, man. He's still so passionate about it. Such a hard worker. He's he's the best for sure. But, hey, uh, Clayton, you know what I just thought of? What's that? If we go all the way back to 707, Josh Martin on the chat, we were talking about McDermott in Buffalo, and he brought up a great point. McDermott fired three coordinators in two years. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a reason why Matt LaFleur stuck to his guns with Joe Barry mm. and a lot of the staff that he that he did hold over is because, you know, this is uh Matt LaFleur's first tenure experience as a head coach. He's got a new contract, right? I think yep. he didn't want to rock the boat and give off the vibe that he's that type of coach that's just going to start bringing in a new staff every 18 months because that's not going to build any consistency in your organization. Right. Just food for thought. I mean, I thought that was an interesting point, you know, as we we were looking at McDermott earlier, you know, and the and some of the choices that he's made in the situation that Buffalo's in, you know, there's something to be said about consistency. Now, you know, I don't I don't want to speak to Jerry Montgomery personally, but personally, he's cooler than a polar bear's toenails. He's a cool guy. Um met him a few times, but yeah, you're right, man. At some point you got to produce and you know, I've got training camp videos riddled with Montgomery in that right. D-line's face yeah. working with these guys. I don't know why it's not translating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's some of those uh, things we don't see behind closed doors. Um, but everything I saw in camp and leading up to this year looked like these guys were ready to go and they were being coached up. Uh, maybe that just hasn't translated to the season. Yeah, right. And trying not- to put it on Barry, he's not on the field during the games. He's still up in that box. So if there is there's a slight adjustment or a slight adjustment that needs to happen on the field, that's done probably by those position coaches. They're the ones throwing them out there. They're the ones getting them ready to rotate in. You know, that that's all on them. Jonathan injuries in real time, all that, right? Yep. yep. Joe Barry's up there playing his Madden, like everyone wants to say, right? <laughs> He's up there just drawing on a drawing on the board and you know, let me X X our audible cover two man. You know, you know, that would be just like that would be just like Packer fans, though, to 
to complain about uh, Barry being on the sideline, and then as soon as he goes to the booth, now we're we're mad that he's not on. The you side need to be on the sideline. He should have a controller up there, though. That would send him into a tailspin. They see the they see the they oh. see the video cut to him. He's just got a little controller. Ah oh, man, <laughs> right. Uh, what's crazy is check this out. Um, NFL team opponents per play updated, right? Green Bay still eighth in the league in uh, points per play. In yards per play, Green Bay is sixth. And in points per game, they're now 11th. So they're just out of sight of the top 10 in points per game. You guys know I put more stock in points per play because, you know, points per game, you can be put in a bad situation. Uh, you know, a turnover inside your own 20, that's going to skew that, in my opinion, when it comes to points per game. So just so you guys know, statistically, they're still a top 10 defense. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's it's fascinating. I really expected to, to look up and go, yeah, it's pretty bad performance, run defense, this and that. Still bend but don't break, and, and right there hovering around the top ten. Now, we're going to get tested. Chargers, Lions, all that. What if they come out and they, like, hold the Lions to six points or something? Mm-hmm. You Joe Barry haters' heads will explode, bro. It will be so ugly. I kind of hope it doesn't happen because I don't want to have that argument, and you know I'm just petty enough. I'll be talking about it. <laughs> Josh Martin. Yeah, Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat. Uh, we're the Green Bay Packers. We're above just being a team that hangs around. That's a tier four organization mentality. We're not that. We're a top two. Tim, that's right down your alley right there, ain't it, big dog? You already know it. Seriously. I mean, it's that's the thing, man. Like you – as fans, I think it's okay to kind of step back and go, okay, here's realistic. We're realistically where we think we are. But one thing Matt has stuck to his guns on, he's pissed every week. Like we have an opportunity to win every game. And we're blowing it in the key moments. You play to win the game. It's true. You don't play just to play. You hear me? You don't play just to play. Yeah. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself, Herm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Josh Martin, very good point there, buddy. Thank you for the super chat. All right. Emilio. We, uh, we got some news about the 2024 Packer Hall of Fame class, didn't we, dude? Drum roll. Oh, look at that. Oh, there the it is. The clay on, I, don't, I don't have any hair, but I'm going to try and just like. Yeah, flip it around. Oh, yeah. Put the water the bottle on there. Yeah. You call me anything you want, but don't call me that guy could pass this play Matthews' uncle. Bang, there it is, boys. Yes. Tell him about it, Emilio. Clay Matthews, a edge defender. Is that what we're calling him nowadays? Folks? I would def- yeah, I well, I don't know. He's now. an outside some, linebacker, man. Yeah, some people would suggest that he doesn't count toward the box count. <laughs> <laughs> my man Clay and my man Aaron Catman, um, you know, well deserved. They need to be there. They are, you know, absolute memories of childhood. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, Catman and, and KGB. Uh, it was, you know, a great time and uh, a good time on Madden too. But uh, Clay, yes. <laughs> you know, he he brought us, uh, you know, he brought us home. Spill it, spill it, pick it, spill it, and I don't think we're ever going to forget that one. You trying to make me feel old, Emilio? Did you just say <laughs> memories of childhood? Oh Lord! <laughs> Back here in this corner is a picture of Kevin Green and Clay Matthews having that conversation. It is time. split. 
is a mm-hmm. picture of him in the front, and above it is the play art. So. And Clay and, and Kevin Green, what was he? What was he? Uh... Kevin Green. So, little history lesson here. Kevin Green played for the Rams for a long time, and then he was signed. He was either traded to or signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You guys have heard me say my brother was a big Steelers fan. When mm-hmm. I was growing up in the '90s. He made me a Steelers fan. This is long before I even started following the Packers. So it was called the Blitzburg defense. One side you had Greg Lloyd at outside linebacker. The other side you had Kevin Green. Kevin Green, they were a little bit hesitant because Kevin Green was a defensive end and they had to convert him to outside linebacker, right, so he could drop into coverage. Oh, Kevin Green, the great edge rusher, played cup. Yes. Was he the first edge? (laughs) (laughs) It is, right? You had those two guys, right? Well, their defensive coordinator – was Dom Capers, right, in that great Blitzburg defense. Them and uh, – God, I can't remember the other guy. He actually has a, a record in the NFL in interceptions too. What was his name? I should know it. Old, old guy. He was awesome. Um, he took over after Dom left. Dom went to Carolina, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, the Packers hired Dom Capers. I think Dom Capers was the very first head coach for the Houston Texans. Then the Packers hired Dom Capers to be their defensive coordinator. One of the first calls he made. I think they got Darren Perry in here to coach the DBs. That was a safety for him in, in Blitzburg. And he got Kevin Green. He said, are you ready to coach? He said, coach, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring me up there. So he comes in to coach the edge group. So what's crazy about this Hall of Fame, I'll flash the picture again. When Kevin Green got here, they converted. When Dom Capers got hired, they converted to a 34 defense from the 43. Yeah, well, Aaron Campman was a defensive end in the 43. So they had to convert him to an outside linebacker. So Aaron Campman got – one-on-one teaching from Kevin Green on how to do that because Kevin did it coming from the Rams and going to Blitzburg, right? So, unfortunately, Aaron Campman blew his knee out. He was never the same player, but, man, was he an awesome edge um, in that 43 back in the – I think – I'm trying to think, was it Donat? I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who the D.C. was. It don't matter. But, you know, him and KGB were kind of opposite each other mm-hmm. uh, there for a short bit, I believe. But, anyway, it's cool that Aaron Campman kind of kicked off that new 34 defense – and then as his career wound down, you draft Clay Matthews, and Kevin Green gets to coach Clay Matthews, which I'm telling you, Clay Matthews, what a freaking blast to watch. Both of these guys, but Clay Matthews has a special special place in my heart, man. Mm-hmm. That dude was an absolute dog. He was not going to be denied. Um, just hair on fire all the time. One thing's for sure right now, Rashawn Gary is a great edge defender, but Clay Matthews was built different. Rashawn Gary's more of a power to quickness guy. Clay Matthews was just Tasmanian devil. Good mm-hmm. luck. Does he still lead? Am I thinking right that he leads the organization in sacks? Does that sound right to you guys? I think he does. But of course, Willie Davis's sacks didn't get counted up. Um, right. I think someone did actually say that someone went back and looked at the stats and all the tackles he had on quarterbacks behind the line of scrimmage that Willie Davis might might have led the NFL in in NFL history in sacks if that was a stat but I think Clay Matthews is technically the all-time sack leader for the Packers. We need to we need to back I think so. That. Yeah. When I think of Clay Matthews, I just think of you know, you look at some of these guys we have out here in this league today and they're not doing it without without Clay setting setting the the tone and paving the way for guys like um Bosa and Watt and you know, a lot of these edge guys we see now. And then, of course, the best part about Clay was, yeah, he could get out there in coverage too on you. He could, he could run to the flat and 
you know, we could run highlights all day, man. Clay's pursuit is uncanny. The acceleration yep. in pursuit for a guy that big and that strong. Mm-hmm. And a guy who basically played with a bad hamstring his entire professional career. I mean, we can't say enough. I, I'm just yeah. so excited that he's going into the hall, man. And, you know, maybe we can get the PTA posse up there. We should all be in attendance for that one. At least all at least all my defensive-minded folks out there. I know Mike Hebring will be there with me. See, <laughs> sure. see, Clay, Clay had the bend, too, you know. Like, that, yeah. I, miss, I miss seeing that nowadays. But um, yeah. I did – Check the stats real quick, Clayton. Clay is uh, 143 games with 83 and a half sacks, the Packers leader. Uh, beh- uh, behind him is KGB with 74 and a half, and then Reggie White with 68 and a half. Gotcha. So Reggie actually obviously has more career sacks than Clay, right. just not with the Packers. So, yeah, I, and, and it's a great question here. Josh Martin says, is Clay Matthews a Hall of Famer? What's the criteria? All right, now here's here's the criteria, right? The criteria of greatness is according to John Madden, and he heard it somewhere else too. He said the criteria for greatness is can you tell the story of something without mentioning that person's name? If you can't, then they are they're great, right? They're they're the epitome of greatness. So with that being said, is Clay Matthews a Hall of Famer? Obviously not a first ballot. I think we would all agree on that. When you're the all, when you've got more sacks in franchise history and arguably the most storied franchise in sports, that's kind of a notch in the belt. Then you say, okay, did he win the big game? Well, he caused the fumble in the Super Bowl that pretty much sealed the Super Bowl for the Packers. So he's got a ring. He was an impact player in that game. Guys, I, I did. I, if you had asked me before this episode, I'd probably said, I don't think so. But that's a pretty good resume, man. Right. On top of that, on the backside of his career, they moved him to inside linebacker, and he was effective for a year or two. Right, especially so, if you look at the the last few yeah. classes. And I'm not throwing shade at all. I'm just going to say there there were some guys that got in that you know were probably bubble, and there was some question about them getting in, um, regardless of ed- eligibility. But I think you hit it on the head there, Clayton. Clay's got the ring, um, and can you really tell the story of? Uh, of the Packers without going through that lineage and not, not mentioning him. I mean, the record right. books alone, the stats alone won't let you do it. Right. So uh, certainly, certainly deserving of Packers hall of fame honors. That's a no brainer. Um, but going to Canton. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Clayton. I think uh, maybe second, second ballot hall of famer third, maybe he's gotta be up. And I know there's going to be people go, y'all are crazy. He's not a hall of famer, but it's like, what, okay. What is a hall of famer then? Like right. you're talking about a guy that, he was he was the best defensive player, maybe other than Charles Woodson, on that 2010 roster, right? Like, and and it's not to say, well, you know, he said, well, it's just one year. He's the all-time leading sack leader for the Packers. So it wasn't just one year, right? right. Um, I don't know, man. Like Goose said here, I could see the argument too. Some people saying he's in the hall of very good, right? Maybe not the hall of fame, but Amelia, what do you think? I'm gonna put you on the spot. This is your idea to talk about the Packers yeah. Hall of Fame. What do you think? Um, is he a Hall of Famer, man? I, I think he I think you were right on. I don't think it's first ballot, but I think he would be deserving of it. Um he does have those notches. He's he was an all pro. Uh I think he was a defensive player of the year. So um that's everything you can kind of ask for in a career. Um if you get it multiple times, then you know you're going. But he's he's done it all once, I would say. So I think it, it is a deserving um 
a deserving spot for him, but I just don't think it's going to happen right off the bat. He's going to have to wait for a little while for that gold jacket. Yeah, I was going to try to pull up his accolades here. Um, see if I can do that real quick. I can share the screen just to kind of see exactly what what he did in his career. This is pro football reference. If you guys can see it, I apologize for the ads. There's nothing I can do about that. It's going to be hard for you guys to see. I, I'm sorry. Let me just back that off. I'll read off. It usually shows their accolades at the top. So six-time pro bowler, one-time all-pro, uh, Super Bowl champ, 2010 SN, I guess, Sporting News Defensive Player of the Year. So the Sporting News had him as the Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, the PFWA, probably Pro Football Writers Association, actually had him as the Defensive Player of the Year that year as well. Um, so six Pro Bowl appearances, Super Bowl champ, impact player in the in the Super Bowl, causing the fumble. Right. Ninety one and a half career sacks. I mean, in 2009, his rookie year, he had 10 sacks his rookie year. Then he had 13 and a half in 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's uh, that's impressive stuff. Yeah. I mean, Clay's up there. I mean, if they gave defensive players MVPs in this league, like if they even remotely competed for a MVP candidacy, Clay would have been in that argument in his prime for sure. I mean, yeah. he was just, you know, you talk about a guy that was feared, equally feared by opposing offenses and also equally respected. You know, it's like yeah. just the, the kind of guy that you want on your team, man, you know, mm-hmm. plays the game with that fire and that uh, tenacity, but never dirty and just oh, yeah. um, hard nosed football and a great teammate and uh, an absolute ham. I mean, Clay, Clay Matthews would have have you rolling in a heartbeat. Um you know, a guy that would never take himself overly too serious, you know, right. um, just a, just, you know, another one of those guys, man, exemplified what it means to be a Packer, you know, and um, I, congratulations, man. I'm just happy that he's, he's going to the Packers Hall of Fame, hopefully Canton one day. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he had one of the best tweets too. When they cut him loose that year, when Goody cut him and then they immediately drafted Rashawn Gary and gave him number 52, Clay Matthews tweeted out, Dang, bro, the body isn't even cold yet. <laughs> already gave away my number. I love it. Um, let's see here. Robert Allen in the chat said he could take he could take the Leroy Butler approach, right? Um, and, yep. and, and you know, sit for a while and then get in. Said Leroy was on the all decade team, and look how long that took. It's a great point. That's true. I don't think we're, still, we're still picketing to get Sterling Sharp in there. Right. Not, you know. Yeah. There's definitely a uh, a backlog. There's no doubt about that. So uh yeah. That being said, I think we hit on everything, guys. We did it in pretty a pretty timely fashion, too. Um, right. Let's do this real quick. We got a conspiracy real quick. And, and it's kind of an open-ended one, but I think it's worth it. And you guys will notice that we have updated the conspiracy, uh, Jacob's Conspiracy Corner. It will, if Jacob never comes back on this show, it will always be called Jacob's Conspiracy Corner. But here we go. I love it. Here is the conspiracy. I know the the Bill Belichick and then Leo DiCaprio immediately pointing is is excellent. Uh, David Bakhtiari tweeted out at 6.13 Eastern time today. That's 5.13 Lambo time for those of you keeping score at home. November 8th, 2023. Remember that date. 
What the hell's he talking about, Tim? Is that when we traded Sewell? Was it? I don't know. Double check. I mean, it could be anything with Bakhtiari. This this might as well be David Bakhtiari's conspiracy quarter. I, I thought the trade deadline was uh, Halloween. Or am I wrong? Yep. Yeah, it was. So it couldn't be the Rasul. Check it off the list. Hey, everybody in the chat, give your best guess. Go ahead, Tim. Did we have a release? I'm trying to think of roster moves. I mean, anything, you know, this this is why it's conspiracy corner, right? We got to read between the lines and try and figure this out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Bakhtiari is, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' best friend, one of his best friends. Those guys are thick as thieves and they love, uh, you know, stirring the pot, as it were. So, I mean, this could mean literally anything. This could be his child uh, had a milestone in their life and, you know, did some, took their first steps. Or it could be, <laughs> I mean, any number of things. It could literally be Bakhtiari tweeting something just to remind himself to remember that day for something. I mean. Like the lot bills do or something? Yeah, or right. Like, hey, pay your rent, bro. You know, like, I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be interesting and i'm sure i'm sure even if we had him here on the show and asked him point blank we still wouldn't get a straight answer <laughs> right no way chris in the chat said maybe he just had a good lay all right there you go hey. you never know um let's see uh what else we got in here guys i need to know what you think the conspiracy is emilio what what is your best guess at what david bakhtiari meant when he tweeted out today at 6 13 eastern time November 8th, 2023. Remember that date. I don't know. It was a Wednesday. Wednesdays uh, Wednesdays are the middle of the week, which could mean that he went into rehab. Yeah. His knee. Oh, okay. Him and Rogers could hang out and heal up together, bringing them both back, um, you know, at the end of this season on this day. I don't know, man. That seems. Like that I don't know, man. Um, Lee eighty six in the chat said everything bad happens on the eighth. The last two years. Uh oh, got it. Um, let's see. Josh Martin takes a shot. And said, did they do anything to his contract that day? Hmm. Chris N says hump day. All right. <laughs> and Josh Martin says, I think they told him he'll have to take a pay cut. To stay on the team next year. Oh, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> think they're talking about it this early, though. Yeah. Um, Omar, Omar in the chat says, uh, as he should, <laughs> with that crying face of mouth. <laughs> you guys are toxic. I ain't, I ain't gonna stand for it. All right. I'm just you know what's you. crazy is we got to get Bach on the show, man. He's got time. Yeah, I mean, Bach, he's, got, he's got a little bit of time, right? You know, I'm I'm pretty sure me and Bach would get in trouble, especially with the, the the jokes we crack about the election and everything else. Like Packers total access unfiltered, featuring oh, David God. Bakhtiari. There it is. <laughs> Hang on tight. Hang on tight. <laughs> Took it down aside. Um, all right, parting thoughts, Tim. Let's get out of here, dude. What you got? Um, uh, I'll just co-sign Bill Huber's article again. Check it out. No time for excuses. Time for Packers to start winning. Uh, that's the mantra, guys. Um, you know, I want to be positive, but we know we're not playing for anything other than eval this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to talk draft just yet, but I'm sure we will sooner or it's later. Coming. It's coming. Um, but, you know, what we want to see is we want to see these guys winning these close games. You know, we had a comebacker against the Saints um, this year. So this team has fight. You know, we've we've stuck around in a lot of these second half games. Uh you know, and really on Sunday, we finally saw our team play a complete game of football. 
um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of the success we had against the Rams. So hopefully they get right at home here, throwback uh, uh, week on Sunday against the Chargers. Um, but we just want to see this team start winning games. You know, we're, we are, we're seeing improvement. Now we want to see it translate to dubs. You know, that's what champions do. You find a way to win um, no matter what. And uh, especially if you're built on staying in these games, what's the point of hanging around a game if you can't punch it in and get her done? So uh, I look forward to seeing the pack, hopefully uh, building some momentum and albeit meaningless, like coach said, there are no moral victories in this league. It would be nice to see, you know, a two or three game win streak here uh, at some point and uh, see these young guys find some success and some chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Tim, Tim said, what's the point in showing up if you can't punch, punch it in and get her done? That's what she said. <laughs> hey, Emilio, what you got, dude? Hey, I loved everything Tim said there. Uh, and just to add to that, there's still uh, a lot of football left. So uh, you never know what's going to happen. We never know how the se- season's going to play out. Um, and uh, there, there's still some excitement to be had, even if uh, we have to pick and choose what that is. Clay Matthews, Aaron Kamen, and uh, – the team. Yeah, for sure. So guys here in the comments, I got a highlighter right now. That's a link to the article. You probably can't click on that link, but if you search, you know, Packers, no time for excuses, SI, I'm sure it'll pull it up. Make sure you go show Bill Huber some love. Really, really good article. Like Tim said, I read it earlier when he sent it to me. Oh, oh, and uh, you said one more call out for uh, the spinner, the win. Oh yeah, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. So Gunsmoke games, we still have not heard from him. Okay. Or her. So uh, up next is Casey Zarnopsky. Casey Zarnopsky. Um, if we don't hear from them, Jason Tebow has already reached out. So if we don't hear from Gunsmoke Games or Casey Zarnopsky, let's say I'm going to set the deadline to Friday. Emilio, remind me just like you had to remind me just now. Friday. <laughs> if we don't hear from them, then we'll just give it to Jason Tebow. But he has already reached out and said, hey, um, just wanted you to know if they don't, if they don't claim it. I'm here. So mm-hmm. that's being proactive right there. That's what we need out of the Packers this week. Let's be a little proactive. Let's 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 get ahead. Of, let's start watching film. All right. Let's get ahead of it. Absolutely. And listen, it's OK. It's OK to look at other coaching staffs, too, and kind of kind of get an idea. OK, here are the top three offense, top three defense in case things do go completely south and they change coaching staffs. You can be a little ahead of the curve there. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, just like if someone wants to dive into the draft right now, there's nothing wrong with it. I know that's frowned upon by some people. I, I tend to look at that stuff a small percentage during the season because I'm so consumed with the tape and what are we doing schematically, what's going on around the league, all those things. But I usually take a peek once a week and go, all right, who's in the consensus big board, you know, the top 10 right now? Where are we picking? What are they predicting would be our top choice right now? You know, have fun with it. Don't let anybody tell you how to fan. There's mm-hmm. Listen, there's gatekeepers out there. You just tell them to kick rocks you know what i'm saying um, and don't forget we have a quarterback that's used to this too right we have jordan love who's had a staff pulled out from under him in college so absolutely. he's twice he's that, yeah twice so he's played yeah. in that situation before it wouldn't be his first rodeo if uh everyone else ended up on the chopping block except for him yeah no doubt robert allen in the chat say can't wait for wall tomorrow to validate that pff 88 on myers lol hey he's i'll tell you this if he sees it he's gonna say it if Myers, if he thinks Myers had a great, a great game, he's going to say it. Now, I will say this about Mike. I don't want to put words into his mouth, but in the past, I've seen him talk about PFF. Not a big fan. He's not <laughs> a big fan of PFF. When I chat with Mike, I don't, I don't go in there going, now, you know, my PFF said this. He'll go, you tell PFF to 
kicker hours. Yeah, right? that's just how he rolls. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like what we're trying to do on this show, we're going to look at the PFF data. We're going to look at the SIS data. We're going to watch the tape. We're going to get former players to come in and go, hey, here's what I'm seeing. All those things, right? That's the goal. We're going to get other podcasters who have a great following to come in and kind of give their insight. We want to cover all the bases when it comes to this show. So, Paul in here. I mean, a little bit of everything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, Mike Wall tomorrow, um, we may go live. If not, I'll record it. I'm thinking about just going live just because I kind of like that interaction in the chat. If we do, it's definitely going to be around 1 p.m. Central time. So, me and Tim, if you're available, Tim, Milio, you're welcome too. I know your mornings are a little hectic, but we'll I'll be back for good morning Lambo in the morning. Anyone who wants to join me, obviously you guys are welcome. Would love to have you. So we're gonna be doing good morning Lambo in the morning at nine o'clock Eastern. That'd be eight central. And then I'm gonna have Mike Wall on at one PM Central. And then I think I'm gonna try try to finish chalk talk too. And then we'll go live for PTA at, you know tomorrow night. If we don't do chalk talk tomorrow, it's because Mike Wall's on. Yeah, I may be able to work it in. I thought about this, too. What do you guys think about now? We can't do it. But let's see. Tomorrow's Wednesday, right? Yeah, Yeah, Paul's on. Didn't you say Paul was coming on, too? Paul's coming on Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Okay. If you guys want to, you guys think about it. Shoot me a text as soon as you decide. If you want to do Chalk Talk Live on PTA Live tomorrow night, maybe we can do that. The only problem with that is the stream is going to be going down and back up. That's right. So – that will mess up the interaction with the audience. And I got to be honest with you guys, this is my favorite part, people in the <laughs> chat. So um, it is what it is. But with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Thank you to both, Tim. Uh, Milio, really appreciate your time. Appreciate for everybody you. in the chat, thank you guys for hanging out. Want to give a special shout out to the Super Chats, Josh Martin, Tolgrel. Um, really appreciate you guys, uh, like I said, supporting the stream and, and, and all the other comments too. You guys drive the show and that's what makes it so, uh, so much fun for us. But, With that being said, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. It's a power sweep. Actually, it's the the lead play in our our offense. Right by this and field inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get him to seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.